0: Welcome to Manners and Madness, a Jane Austen and David Lynch podcast. My name is Maya Adkins.
1: And I'm Christian Cabrera. And today we are going to dive into season one, episode one of Sanditon.
0: (laughs) Yes. And we are joined by some very special guests, podcast uh, cr- crossover, not really crossover, but <laughs> first impressions podcast. Maggie and Kristen are with us, and we are so delighted to have them. Hello, hello,
2: Welcome.
0: hi. <laughs> I would say this is more of like a Hunger Games style Jane Austen <laughs> <J-0> <laughs> podcast. At the end of it, only only one of our teams, is gone. <laughs> and it's gonna be me and Christian actually, in like a twist.
1: <laughs> <laughs> They're the underdogs
0: we're going to start a third podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we I I was really it was one of our goals this year to have, you know, more guests and I've been really trying to find Jane Austen podcasts and it's so hard to find them because if you put Jane Austen into the search of the podcasts, it just comes up with a million audiobooks. So, I definitely found you guys in an article about different Jane Austen podcasts when we first started oh, cool. ours. So it was very exciting and it, we're just very happy to have you guys. Yes. Well, we do get a lot of press, right? Kristen? <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say we get a ton of press, but every time we do, it's like the highlight of our lives. So yeah, yeah it's true. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> and how long has the podcast been going now? Since 2015. I believe Maggie wow. into doing it with me by promising her that it would be easy and she wouldn't have to do anything and just sit and listen to me talk about Jane Austen. Um, and we were just planning to post, Just do the six books, post the files on the internet somewhere and never think about it again just because I felt like I needed to get everything off my chest. But Maggie's so funny and we just enjoyed it so much and people seem to be listening to it. So we've been going ever since and now we have 57 episodes. We post usually one episode a month. So we're not as prolific as a lot of the Jane Austen podcasts out there. I say more power to them. Um, that we just have our own special take on Jane Austen. We, not, we don't have a scholarly Jane Austen background. So our shtick, our gimmick, so to speak, has been like not the scholarly approach with, which a lot of podcasts do take, which more power to them again. Like I'm totally in support of that, but we just don't have that background. So we talk a lot about our personal relationship to Jane Austen and there's a mental illness sort of take twist in there as well. So. Well, I think Kristen is selling herself a little bit short. She may not have, you know, gotten her graduate degree in Jane Austen literature, but I think that anyone who listens to the podcast and listens to her thoughts and critiques and things like that can't argue with your knowledge of the material, Kristen. And I I am very upfront. I am here for the jokes and I also <laughs> bring boobs. So that's my... <laughs> But no we like we talk about the books we talk about adaptations we usually have fun. So, but then we also go on tangents about our own lives, which I'm sure people don't care about, but well, yeah. we're delighted to be here. We love <laughs> yes. you guys. We're so happy when you is. invited us. Yes. <laughs> I have to tell you, I was painting my house, um, over break. Cause I get a, I don't, I can't work over break. That's the rule. So I was painting my house. <laughs> I turned you guys on and it made the time go so much faster. Although it was funny because I'd be listening to your podcast and then I'd yell an obscenity because I screwed up <laughs> on the paint light like, on the painting, like I did a red accent wall, and so I like a red on the white ceiling, so I would be like. <laughs> Obscenity, and my husband would be like, <laughs> "That Jane Austen podcast sounded like you were having so much fun and everything, so and adult, and then just drop an F bomb. Uh, remind me though, are we allowed to swear? What is the what oh, yes. is our language? Yeah, we put explicit yeah. okay. on it because we're talking about okay, David Lynch as well, and there's just no right. getting around it. <laughs> well, I always I always think we'll it's hilarious, like me Lynch. and Kristen, that we have like our Jane Austen podcast needs an explicit yeah. language. <laughs> <laughs> I was just watching that Netflix thing about the history of swear words last night. and Oh, with was- Nicolas Cage? Yeah. Where he's just like, bah! <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I like, haven't gotten to that, that yet, anymore. but I've heard it's very good. I'm surprised he hasn't. Has he ever been in a David Lynch show? Yeah, he was in Wild at Heart. Okay, there you go. I was going to say that's a <laughs> match. He, fits the, he fits
1: the profile.
0: We have a Yeah, but I love night. you guys because sometimes you're in the mood for some Jane Austen and some Regency. Sometimes you're in the mood for some David Lynch. Yeah. Chaos. And so it's like, do I want to listen to Dune? Do I want to listen to Mansfield Park? <laughs> I don't know. And you just like, have your own. oh, yeah. Was it you whose favorite book was Mansfield Park? No, that's Kristen. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Guilty it's my as favorite George. as well. So, <laughs> okay. See? See? Whatever. <laughs> she thinks i'm basic because pride and prejudice is my favorite whatever kristen no i never said you were basic uh excuse me <laughs> i remember a story <laughs> i'm excuse sure me. i was joking point of fact <laughs> you remember the episode we were talking about Oh, God, what's the adaptation of Lady Susan with what's Love name? Love and Friendship.
1: Love and Friendship. And you
0: went to like thing with the director. with Stillman. And he was like, what's everyone's favorite Jane Austen book? And like, he called them out. And when you got to Mansfield Park, you were like, Uh, it's me. <laughs> all you <laughs> basic bitches. It's not percent true. I was, at a, a, I was in DC. I was at a live Q&A with Whit Stillman. It was right when the movie came out. I wasn't even going to stay for the Q and a cause I had to pee, but everybody else left. Right. So it was like a sparsely populated theater. So with someone was doing his thing. And then he, he started to take this poll and he said persuasion. Everyone was like, woo. And then he said, pride and prejudice. Everyone was like, woo. And I was <laughs> like, this is not a concert. Like, but, <laughs> but I was like, I, Mansfield Park is going to come, and I am going to be the only one. So when he said Mansfield Park, I yelled my head off. I was waving my (laughs) arms. And, like, I was in the last row of theater, so everybody turned around to look at me. Like, (laughs) lone nut. And then, and then, this is the highlight of my life. I'm glad you brought this story up, Maggie. And then, Whit Stillman looked at me, and he said, you know, I think you're right. And I yelled from the back of the theater, I yelled, I know I'm right.
2: <laughs>
0: I don't need the likes of Whit Stillman to tell me. <laughs> well, I think you're right as well. And I can't wait for us to get to it on the podcast. because <laughs> I want to go- get Christian. into it because I know I love it, but I'm like, I'm, I can't really vocalize exactly why it's my favorite, but So I'm excited when we finally get to it, which will be a while, I'm pretty sure. (laughs) (laughs) Christian, do you have a favorite book yet? Or you haven't read them all, so you don't have a favorite yet? Is that, I'm trying to remember. No, I've only read
1: um, Northanger Abbey so far.
0: Okay. All right. Well, you're in for a treat. That'll be fun to discover. It'll be fun to discover which ones That one tried to move into first place for me when we covered it on the podcast because... It was just such I've I've read it before, of course, but like reading that one was like, oh my gosh, I never knew how much I love this book. <laughs> yeah. And I know you guys are a fan of the 1987. Oh, yeah. Edit. Yes. No, I, I'm a JJ Field fan. I am a professed JJ Field fan girl. So I like the more recent. Oh, well, I mean, um, I love the more recent one too. It's. Probably one of my favorite adaptations, the, the most recent Northanger Abbey. But, you know, there's something about that 87 one that's just like so... <laughs> it's that soundtrack. Crazy. Yes. <laughs> it's all that premarital sex. You gotta love it. <laughs> and we found out when we covered it that that probably is why we got the 1996 Pride and Prejudice, because Andrew Davies was so inspired by that one. <laughs> uh, How could you not be? <laughs> right. It's so inspiring. Okay, well, but we're here to talk about Sanditon. Right. <laughs> Which is also how we yes. probably got to Sanditon because I could see some reflections of that particular adaptation when uh, I was. One- yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, so okay, well, we wanted to get first before we start talking about Sanditon, one more thing from you guys is what is how did you first get interested in Jane Austen? Okay, well I'll let Kristen go for. I'm going to sit back while Kristen tells her tale. <laughs> This is actually an (laughs) epic story that has spanned many episodes of First Impressions and my fraught relationship with Austin. I'll just say that I watched it for I watched it accidentally when I was 13 years old at a friend's house when it was, you know, we didn't have the tapes yet or anything. It was just first airing in the US. So I watched it and then I didn't get to see the last two episodes So I was freaking out as a 13-year-old, having never read the book and like jonesing to like figure out what was going to happen. Because, you know, imagine that cliffhanger (laughs) Darcy proposes and you just don't know. So, yeah. So anyway, when I finally got to see the whole thing, I became an addict during high school. I watched it almost every weekend. It was an unhealthy obsession, (laughs) but it also helped me with a ton of issues in my life related to having social anxiety because- Darcy can be seen in some respects, and especially in that movie, is having sort of a social anxiety problem. And so the conversation that he has with Elizabeth, where he, Elizabeth is at the piano, and he's saying, uh, I do not have that talent of conversing easily with strangers, she confronts him and says, I do not play this instrument so well as I would wish to, but I have always supposed that to be my own fault because I would not take the trouble of practicing. So it held something for me. I was trying to figure out. And so kind of the rest is history. And then I just grew up into an Austin obsessed adult, and all of my friends and family got really tired of listening to me, which is how we did. God. And Chris, but Kristen, I thought it was cool when you were telling me this that you became active on the very first like Austin listservs and like chat rooms and forums, like when the internet was kind of just starting as a big fandom draw. Kristen was with Jane Austen from the beginning.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's cool because uh, so, I found it very hard to find, you know, I've found a lot of scholarly stuff, but I've been, it's harder to find like just fan Jane Austen fandom stuff. <laughs> So that's really cool. How about you, Maggie? How'd you get involved? Uh, so mine is also kind of similar, just without the obsession. I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, of course, like all of female America, I saw the 1995 slash 1996 BBC A&E Pride and Prejudice and loved it. And then that took me on a big Jane Austen kick through uh, high school where I read the novels. And then I just kind of went at that regular level of fandom for a while. If an adaptation came out, I would of course see it. But then I became friends with Kristen. <laughs> uh, and Kristen and I met in college. And I guess through my friendship with her, I got more into it. And then basically things didn't take off for me until she asked me to be part of the podcast. So five years ago was when I really kind of leveled up. I, you could say that like my Pokemon, my Jane Austen Pokemon evolved <laughs> into the next level. <laughs> Uh, Christian is well on his way too. <laughs> yeah,
2: saying, yeah. I'm still like. Yeah, Christian, did you get a three. switch yet?
0: Did I, you get a switch yet? Yeah,
1: I've I've had a switch. Okay,
0: good. Okay, because I thought I had heard an episode where you were like, I don't have it yet, and I was like, Christian, you need to play Oh no, house. yeah, we're a big Nintendo house. I was a big a PS4 uh, now. game boy. Yeah,
1: so that maybe it was a PS4.
0: Okay, good because Animal Crossing was like my 2020. 100 percent, hundred percent. And do you guys have any, well, you said you liked Twin Peaks or you had watched it. Do you have, what's your David Lynch experience? Maggie, you go first on this one. Uh, I first discovered, when did I first discover David Lynch? I think in college when I would be drunk with friends, we would watch David Lynch movies. Uh, and then I just, I started watch, I watched Twin Peaks. I didn't watch it when it aired. I think I was probably kind of too young for it at that point. But I watched Twin Peaks when it was available on disc on Netflix. Remember when they had the big gold box come out? Like the complete, yeah. (laughs) I'm pretty sure Um, I owned every single collection of Twin Peaks. So I watched all on Netflix. Did I read The Secret Diary? I might have read The Secret Diary. I watched Firewalk with me. And I just did a rewatch with my husband because he had never seen it. Of course, I've seen Dune. I I also really like Lost Highway, Mulholland Drive. Like I've seen a lot of David Lynch. I don't know if I would say I'm a fan though (laughs) because I like – yelling at david lynch (laughs) shows (laughs) i find them enjoyable because i also find them very exasperating so i will like interact with it a lot and like there's sometimes a lot of eye rolling or like come on for some of the kind of more self-indulgent aspects but yet i still consume the media right so I don't know if that makes you a fan or not. I think as long as you (laughs) keep coming back and watching more of that. Yeah. I mean, I enjoy the experience, I guess. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Kristen, have you ever actually seen any David lunch? I've seen twin peaks. My husband was getting his master's degree and years ago now, And my mom had always talked, even throughout like part of my childhood about the log lady. She was making references to the log lady. And so, and Twin Peaks, and I thought, so it's like Twin Peaks, it's a funny, quirky comedy. It has this log lady in it. And so I get, I was, it was always late at night, dark, late at night, husbands at class, popped it in. And it starts with poor Laura Palmer in the, the plastic and everyone weeping. And voila, it was, enlightened real fast I was also fascinated (laughs) and I think that Twin Peaks is such an incredible achievement and I I won't go on and on about it but I formed a really intense emotional relationship with that show because of Laura Palmer and what clearly happened to her it's a story about a girl who is now lost to it. Let me just. Stop. They <laughs> haven't. They <laughs> haven't uh-huh. talked. Christian has not watched the second. Season oh, yeah, yet. they haven't. They not haven't yet. talked about it yet. They <laughs> 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 haven't seen the second season yet. I will just say, and this is no spoilers. It's apparent very early on. She's clearly a girl who has been sexualized by many in the community, right? Mm-hmm. Like number of right. people <laughs> becomes clear very fast. Yeah. and A lot of men are in love with her, and that shaped her life. And so, in a way, you know, she just it seemed to me that she was also very lost and having trouble moving in society. And so there is a slight Darcy connection in that, you know, they both had a lot of struggle dealing with the circumstances that life placed them in. Okay. But Kristen, (laughs) (laughs) you have to come along with me on my ride, but that's who I'm just saying, that's the characters I relate to the the people who are really struggling to relate to the people around them. Right. So I know we're not here to talk about David Lynch, but I do want to say really quickly that um, I've become really interested in reading kind of critique about his treatment of women, which is usually not positive. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so that's something that I think is very interesting. Mm -hmm. I couldn't disagree more with that, but I've actually just got a really interesting book. That's called Women Speak, um, and it's about Laura Palmer. And there's actually, if you ever go to BlueRoseMagazine.com or anyone out there who's interested, they have a lot of little books by like people in the Twin Peaks community who write essays and stuff. There's actually, there seems like there's just as much scholarly thinking on David Lynch as there is <laughs> on Jay Austen. Sometimes. Oh, for sure, yeah. For um, sure. Maybe not in uh, you know scholarly publications, but like these kinds of things, but they're really thoughtful. Yeah. There's a lot of different discussion about that on, you know, coming at it from both angles. Okay. Well, Kristen and I will have to have this discussion another time. Cause I'm very interested. Like, it just seems like every to- woman you guys gets murdered. So yeah, I'll be very interested to hear. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But to- anyway, <laughs> that's for another episode. <laughs> Okay, so we should move on to Sanditon now. Let's yes. give everyone's first impressions. The first time you saw it, what did you think of Sanditon? <laughs> um, Christian, um, I want to hear you first because yeah. I was delighted when you told me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really, from the get-go, really started to enjoy this because a lot of Jane Austen's heroines tend to be like very progressive, and especially for their time, but... And it seems to me now that I understand that they are more like scholarly and, you know, than women of their time and wanted to do things kind of like in regards to like their placement in society. But we have Charlotte kind of like her opening scene is her hunting rabbits. And it seems to be this kind of transformation of a heroine out of just like kind of remaining within society to like breaking all the rules. Cause you don't really see any of her other heroines as far as I know really doing stuff like that so I really was taken by that and um I just love the way it's shot it's so beautiful and all the people are so great and it's so comfortable I really loved it
0: yeah that was a really interesting way to to get to know Charlotte right off the bat you know yeah and get to know her character
1: (laughs) yeah she's probably going to be one of my favorites as long as she like (laughs) stays about the same because I love her already
0: yeah she really shines in this first episode. Mm. Uh, Maggie or Kristen? Okay, uh, this is Maggie. I'll go ahead. I really enjoyed Sanditon the first time I watched it, which is when it aired on Masterpiece. (laughs) But it became very apparent very early that I just had to divorce it from the fragment of the novel, which exists, because this is very Andrew Davies- Mm-hmm. interpretation of Jane Austen. And by the time we got to the hand job, I was like, okay, <laughs> <this is laughs> Not <fun. laughs> Jane Austen, this is fun. Yes. You know, fine. That's fine. Well, and once you, once I make that distinction, then I don't get, cause a lot of people can't turn their brains off like that. If they're into Austin a lot, it's like, well, this is not correct. That's not correct. I don't, I don't mess with that. I just enjoy what's being presented to me. And I did, I really enjoyed it. I liked the kind of modern direction and shooting style that they had. I will say that rewatching it now to talk with you guys in a post Bridgerton world. I don't know if you both watched Bridgerton uh, on Netflix, which just dropped on Christmas. I was just thinking this is what Andrew Davies was kind of going for. And so <laughs> now watching it again, I'm thinking, Oh man, like I see he, he, he wanted to do what Shonda Rhimes, I think, ended up doing, uh, which if you haven't seen Bridgerton, it's like it's... even <laughs> more. <laughs>
1: Stevie <you're risque. laughs> and
0: it's, But it's set in a very clear alternative universe, alternative mm-hmm. Regency world. Like they don't make any bones about that. Um, whereas Davies, I think, is still trying to ground his in like a historical dramatic reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's kind of interesting. Like the, my, fe- my first feelings of Sanditon versus rewatching now. Oh, yeah. I still I still enjoyed it. It's it's a fun ride. <laughs> I what would about say. You, so it, Maggie and I have done an episode on Sanditon focusing heavily on the fragment itself, the actual original. And so I can talk about Sanditon, I do have to divorce it as Maggie was saying from the fragment and just think of it as fun Jane Austen fanfic because Davies <laughs> while he does some things that are very Andrew Davies the writer of Sanditon, you know, the screen screenwriter while he does some things that I feel are very canny and very smart, he also happens to be relying on his greatest hits playbook of spunky heroine, gruff, rebuffing, you know, sort of withholding hero in the Darcy mold. So to Christian, just to your point, mm-hmm. yes, uh, he, they do start out with uh, Charlotte Haywood, you know shooting a, a rabbit learning you know how she can right. use a gun that in fact is not in the the fragment right. unless i'm very much mistaken i meant to reread it today and then i just didn't get uh, time to fit it in but i think it's fair to say that it's within the spirit of the character maybe not appearing on the page but within the spirit of her personality like elizabeth bennett who loves to run Brand. Some uh, yeah, some of yeah, us she's <laughs> here <when he's laughs> rollicking through the countryside. Yeah, like Catherine Moreland who loved to play baseball or whatever when she was young. That's cricket. Come on. Well out. yeah, but does, no, it the, does baseball baseball. In the, book. the text says baseball. <laughs> Did baseball exist as a? But it was an American. No, baseball, I mean right? it's not no. the same. Same, probably no, not the same pre, sport as the American pastime. America. It's like, <laughs> this is like soccer versus. They played ball and there were bases involved, and that's all we need to know. <laughs> okay, write this down as another podcast. Of course, <laughs> Jane yeah. Austen. <laughs> Uh, but no, I think Christian, you had a great point. I mean, clearly from the very beginning, Charlotte is supposed to be like salt of the earth. She's action. She's moving. She doesn't has it when the carriage goes over. She runs up there. She jumps up. She helps like the lady out. You know, oh, can I help you? She helps mm-hmm. her get out. She's spunky. She's supposed to be like very much more of a modern heroine right uh like if you want to con- try to compare her to say fanny price like <laughs> it's completely different right fuck you right <laughs> 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 although i was feeling a lot of Catherine morland for a lot of it yeah although i did and i have this for a deep dive for a future episode but i was reading an article about the differences between Catherine and charlotte but I haven't actually read the fragment yet, but I did read the Wikipedia page on what it contained. You're an expert.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: and we will be uh, getting into that at the end. So I was excited because I was re-listening to your Sanditon episode today, actually. And I was like, oh, they read it. So <laughs> 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 tell me <laughs> if I'm correct and what ah. I was thinking about it. That's a really interesting point, the, the, the two of them together, because at the end of the first episode, Charlotte explicitly says, I like to watch people and like form judgments about them and think about them and stuff. So I feel like they set her up as being so much more intuitive than Catherine. Oh, yeah. um, like outward, <laughs> although we've talked about how Catherine actually is a pretty good judge of character, but Charlotte like explicitly tries to figure right. people out. But Catherine it is a show is- about changing your opinions of what character mm-hmm. is. <laughs> so they all start off in one place in the first episode that is very different than where they end up in the last episode, <laughs> which is very Catherine Morla in a way, but that was more yeah. her yeah, perception than the actual people. <laughs> Catherine is more about making judgments of people than questioning herself, right? So figuring out, you know, questioning herself and doubting herself based on the judgments that are popping into her mind. So she's intuitive, but she's not doing it purposely. Whereas that conversation, and I don't know if it's okay to jump ahead to this, but the conversation you're referencing where she comes out and she says, I like to make observations about people, it's almost, it is core, it's very tightly aligned to the conversation that Elizabeth and Darcy have when they're dancing at the ball at Netherfield, where she says she's taking Darcy's likeness, right? And and trying to make out your character. Yeah, right. yeah. Um, but again, Andrew Davies. Davies is like, just playbooks. It's yeah, just hits. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I was gonna say something brilliant, and now I can't. Okay, <laughs> let me say one other thing. Brilliant though. While you're thinking of your brilliant thing, oh, okay, yeah. Charlotte um, is also making observation, making making observations. Uh, in the legacy of Charlotte Haywood, the character who is more of a scientist and that scientist in the Regency term where she's making observations about the world. So she's trying to approach the world analytically as opposed to Catherine, Mm -hmm. who is more um, uh, instinctual, I guess. Yeah. And I think setting that up with the rabbit, just, you know, it kind of just sets that like, oh, Oh. she's a practical person who's doing practical things and getting stuff done. And so you don't have to have all that interior monologue stuff. You just set it up with her shooting a rabbit in the very first. Really, not really? even And then when something happens, she instantly runs over there. Yeah, She's like, she- come on, let's go. Yeah. She gets all her brothers and sisters and they run over and spring into action. Yeah. I remember what I was going to say. Okay. I was going to say that this first episode I thought was actually, the structure of this miniseries is very good. This first episode, we meet a lot of different characters, but we set up a lot of who we think they're going to be. Yes which is not necessarily true. And even within this first hour, you hear different things about different people. And so you're not sure what to think, just like Charlotte. Yeah. And I think it's very cleverly done where, you know, like the the hand job story where he like, he says this, but then she says, no, no, no. Like he was forcing his attentions on me. And so you're like, well, I don't know what to think. I didn't really, we were so far away. We didn't really see anything. The audience has the same kind of uncertainty about these characters that Charlotte has. Yeah.
1: Right, yeah. I was going to say that one thing I really liked about Andrew Davies' kind of like interpretation of it was it feels to me, at least based on all these other adaptations that it almost feels like we're being given these characters like very delicately because of the limitations of their time and the limitations of Austen being that she didn't really see the world that much. And so what I really appreciate about this kind of version of an Austen universe is that it gives us sort of that same realm of there's rules and there's conduct, but then it throws in kind of like the nitty gritty realness of society with like the hand job and her just observing people for who they are and, and the whole like, I guess, t- turning that character more into, like you said, salt of the earth. I just kind of like appreciate the characters more because they seem more real, I think, to me at least.
0: Yeah, and I mean, you can always tell an Austin adaptation that's going for realism by the number of butts. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that's Um, exactly what I thought. You know, just like in Emma, we got a lot of butts. This one had quite a few butts running into the sea. It's like, so like, yeah, we're definitely more grounded in realism. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, oh, this, th- by the way, this podcast could also be a drinking game where every time someone <laughs> says hand, hand job, you're yes. <laughs> say it's come up a lot, and I don't think so, uh, <laughs> uh it's almost 100% man <laughs> but that was that was a big moment when watching this because you know you don't usually oh, yeah. see that in a Jane Austen adaptation so when you see that you're like oh my god like that's that's yeah. happening well, when I all saw, right when now I, I know
1: yeah when, when I saw the butts I was like oh they're really going for it there and I was like just the butts and then we get to that and I was like oh, okay we're being it we're oh, yeah. taking it all the way
0: yeah I appreciate it
1: <laughs> me too
0: you guys really need to watch Bridgerton if you like no, that. I- <laughs> actually I was gonna say um I I was listening back to when I first watched it because I said my first impression and it was just like I liked it it was good <laughs> but um <laughs> after watching Bridgerton the first time I came back to watch it for the podcast I was like "Ooh, this feels kind of like a pale, tired version of Bridgerton at this point. Yeah, no, I had like, yeah, I mean, I think like you and I are kind of on the same wavelength there. Like, Davies just didn't take it as far. Yeah, Mm -hmm. but I mean... And I wonder if he watched Bridgerton and was like, oh. Bridgerton is kind of like the new Emma version of a Sanditon to me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's got the, like, pop to it. Um, But it's also a little more over the top. This one is trying to at least ground itself more in reality. It's
1: its limitations within like the Austin fandom and everything.
0: Well, no, so I will say. So we have it. Well, we have an explicit language, but I'll just say Sanditon is the hand job. Bridgerton's <laughs> like the the kind of linguist, Like they go full. Like they take it way farther. Right. <laughs> My sister texted me earlier and she was like, I watched half of the first episode of Bridgerton. I thought it was supposed to be sexier than this. And I was like, <laughs> oh, girl. You got to wait till like, what is it, episode four? <laughs> I was like, just wait. There's like a whole episode dedicated to sex. You'll be. Yeah fine it gets steamier as it goes along <laughs> yeah uh-huh. <laughs> i can't decide if i can recommend it to my mom or not i'm thinking no actually she'd be oh. good for like the first couple episodes and then by the time we get to episode four i, I think it would my be too experience much is older ladies love some sexy yeah, but i don't want to know that about my mom. <laughs> i don't know <laughs> one, one this is I a woman str- though who watches my mother loves um like C-SPAN book TV on Sundays. I don't know if you guys, it's just like the <laughs> local cable access book TV. And she loves history and stuff like that. And then she's like, what did you do this weekend, mom? Oh, I watched all of Breaking Bad. And I'm like, she I like that show. But no, like, <laughs> like, she'll love that. I, nev- I never know if she's going to like something. Because on one hand, she like hates some things that seem very, like people would really be into them and someone who has her similar interests. And then she loves The Sopranos and Breaking Bad. So what do I know? <laughs> I can't predict her. I will say one thing that struck me when I watched Sanditon again after Bridgerton, Bridgerton was uh, the sense of intimacy that we have with Charlotte and with the one character is so much greater. And I felt that's more true. comfortable in Sanditon without having to jump from person to person. I don't I don't think Sanditon is a world where Theo James could lean in and say, have you thought about touching yourself um, yeah. <laughs> to, to Charlotte Haywood? But maybe that's to its benefit. You know, there's some mystery here. That it's It's about the sex they're not having, Maggie. <laughs> <laughs> And well, but, but Sanditon clearly has a main character, and it's yes. Charlotte. Yes. Like she is, she's our audience proxy. She's our heroine. She's our main character. They're very much in the fragment uh, as well. She's an avatar, a sane avatar in a wild world of Sanditon. <laughs> yeah. So, like you were saying, you feel more of a connection with yeah. her, and we get a lot of tight close-ups. There's very, yes. you know, you don't see that a lot of adaptations. But like we are, we're tight on Charlotte a lot. We see her reactions to things. Um, she is our solo main well i'm not solo main character there's other main characters but she is the main character all right well let's go ahead and do notes christian is doing them today
2: (laughs)
1: Yes. All right, so we'll be doing some little stats for season one, episode one of Sanditon. It was directed by Ollie Blackburn and written by Andrew Davies um, and also created by. Uh, the original air date was August 25th of 2019 in the UK and didn't come to the US until like five months later in January. Yep. So we were without it for a long time.
0: Wait a minute. You're telling me that Sanditon was January 2020? Yes. That's like 10 years ago. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <You mean> that <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like- before March is like 10 years ago. When things <laughs> happened before March, 2020, but we're still 2020. I like can't, I can't comprehend it because it felt like it was 10 years ago.
1: Yeah, I feel like That's I had exactly to like write what? it down five times to like make it make sense when I wrote it. <laughs> um, it was aired on ITV under PBS masterpiece and it was shot. Uh, a lot of the, I think the exterior was in Wiltshire in UK. And a lot of the interiors was in Gloucestershire. So just, you know, very beautiful parts of England of course
0: Where do you does anybody know where those are by the way cuz I was watching this and I had just done a like a big dark watch
2: mm-hmm. and it
0: looks very similar the kind of coastline and that's Cornwall so I don't know where the places are that you were saying Christian but I was there's a lot of like people riding horses along the coast in oh, Yeah, so I got same that place. same kind of
1: <laughs> Yeah it's I like know, I'll have to look at the south south of uh, UK it's like I guess, west of London.
0: Okay, yeah, maybe so. so Around the coast,
1: so around there. I'm sure
0: someone, a listener will be happy to tell me.
2: (laughs) (laughs) To let you know. They'll
0: be like, moron, no, that's Cornwall. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I just did Google it, and Gloucestershire, or Gloucestershire, I feel like they would say it, is close to Cardiff. I think it's Gloucester. Oh, it's close, it's in Wales? (laughs) It's it's close Um, to Cardiff? It's close to Cardiff. Cardiff. I don't don't think it's in Wales, but it's like not that far away on the map that popped up. Okay, good to know. Thank you, Kristen. They do a lot of filming <laughs> over there, I think. Lots so of Doctor mm-hmm. Who in, uh, yeah. in Wales, right?
1: Um, like we said, it's based on the unfinished novel of the same name. And I was reading a Vulture recap, and I've found out that this is the only episode based completely off of what was written in the book. The rest of it is just kind of interpretation of what Austin maybe would have wrote. And try to think of a, oh, let me go to the cast list for our first episode because we kind of got oh, almost God. everyone.
0: I love that you shouted out the Vulture recaps because I love Vulture. And I love all their recaps. I read <laughs> yes. like uh, any. I started watching The Bachelor so I could read <laughs> <laughs> more Vulture recaps. That's, That's, a
1: That's a commitment. That's a commitment. That's a commitment. hours. so good.
0: Well, I used to. I don't know if you guys ever did Television Without Pity. I was a huge mm-hmm. Television Without Pity fan of their recaps, and so when that site went down, it's really hard to find like entertaining and also intellectual recaps. And so mm-hmm. I feel like Vulture kind of that gap
1: oh yeah the vulture recaps for sanditon are really good because the person who wrote them loved sanditon probably more than anything else in the world
0: and so it was very <laughs>
1: enjoyable to read them
0: uh, that's the best way <laughs> yes
1: but so the cast consists of chris marshall as tom parker k ashfield as mary parker rose williams as charlotte haywood who i kept having to tell myself that it's not amelia clark it's not amelia clark <laughs> <laughs> they kind of look the same Tessa Stevens as Allison Haywood, Adrian Rollins as Mr. Haywood, Sarah Belcher as Mrs. Haywood, Anne Reed as Lady Denham. Lily Sarkowski as Clara Brefren, Brefton, oops, Jack Fox as Sir Edward Denham, the worst, and Charlotte Spencer uh-huh. as Esther Denham.
0: Okay, okay, now who played Tom Parker again? Who what was his name? Chris Tom Parker. Let's see. The guy who's like, oh, who, his, all of his money is. And- Okay, so who I, he's the first person we see on screen, right? Basically, yes, he he's in the wife. carriage. Uh, I'm like, where do I know him? Where do I know him? Where do I know him? Of course, he's the guy from Love Actually, yep. who goes to like Minnesota and <laughs> yes. hooks up with all the hot ladies. And I'm just very delighted. This is going to sound really mean, but like he kind of grew into his face more. <laughs> so he's not like as weird. But he just looks like a normal person now. Right. But I was just <laughs> delighted to see him. I was so excited to see him in this because I can't remember ever seeing him in something else. I'm like, it's the Love Actually guy. It's that guy. I thought he was great. He's great, yes. <laughs> yeah, I really like all the, the actors in this.
1: They were so comfortable. I just love them all.
0: Who's Esther?
1: Esther is Charlotte Spencer.
0: Okay. not not so i know you guys are probably you're going to talk about the other episodes so no big spoilers but like her character is very enjoyable i think over the course oh yeah yeah the series but i like her from the very beginning (laughs) her like well she's a bitch right who doesn't like that (laughs) She's a redheaded bitch, and I don't want to say anything that I feel like kinship with that. But, you know. I love it Maggie when you Regency right goth in Jane Austen. Yes. Yeah.
1: <laughs> in appearance and, like, in mood, because I always think of Charlotte Bingley as an honorary goth.
0: Yeah, but it's, it's like she's in a different show, right? She, <laughs> she's in, like, a different show than all the other characters.
1: I feel like she should be in Bridgerton, and the rest of them are. Oh,
0: yeah. Because <laughs> so, she
1: is so, like up the level which i think really adds to like the evilness of the character yeah,
0: and she's always she does wear like kind of almost black a lot too yeah doesn't she? yeah it's great <laughs> all right Let's go ahead and start on the recap. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, the opening credits are kind of like, they're like uh, period drawings in like a diorama style with like city plans behind them. I think they're cool. I like the opening credits. I really like the soundtrack. Yeah. Yes. That, yeah. I was just going to say that opening credits throw you from the beginning with their sort of like wistful chord progression and the, the fiddle or, or violin, it's not necessarily the tone that you you think of. You think of Pride and Prejudice and the little bright sparkling piano <laughs> and you think, oh, I'm going into a Jane Austen. And this sets the tone very differently. Yeah. It's definitely got a lot more folk influence. You can definitely tell. And there's a lot more like guitar and string, which yeah. I appreciate because that, that new Emma version of-
2: the new Emma that <laughs> soundtrack is that genius so that much soundtrack is so, so is folk
0: music I just love it <laughs> Maya knows I'll hold myself back but Maya knows earlier today I was messaging her a bunch about the music in Sanditon and the folk <laughs> influence and I went down an absolute rabbit hole but I will just say that folk music as you're saying is is strongly strongly and in in our um podcast about Sanditon Maggie ma- mentions she's like some of the music sounds almost Appalachian and I was like come on Maggie I was thinking come on they didn't put an Appalachian song in here they would get <laughs> you know skewered but actually they totally did at the ball scene there's a song called glory in the meeting house which is, I know Maggie is flipping me <laughs> off just on zoom Kristen right the now finger. <laughs> I told her just assume I'm right and it was it was an Appalachian song it, you know a, a traditional song predated Saniton and apparently the music experts said it would have come back into England. And so you're absolutely right. Well, a lot of um, <laughs> Appalachian, the first Appalachian settlers, I believe were a lot of like Scottish. Um, oh yeah. So yeah. that probably it's, it's, a lot it's, of it's you get <laughs> that like that yeah. Irishy Scottish, like Celtic feel to the music, which is one of the reasons I really like the Sanditon soundtrack because it has that vibe to it. But yeah. again, I think that's also kind of to go back Was Christian was saying about Charlotte's character. She's very grounded, right? Mm-hmm. And so when you use that music, what does it evoke? It evokes like... Uh, not necessarily like, agrarian, but just like and people earthiness. who are very much of the yeah. earth. Yes. Yeah. Earthiness. Yeah. Yeah. Which really is why it was town, used too. to such good mm-hmm. effect in Emma as well. Whenever Harriet, yeah. uh, like Harriet literally marries a farmer, like you can, you don't really get more of the earth. Right. And so I think there's kind of drunk doing the same heavy lifting yeah. thematically. That
1: yeah. You know, I think so. also the, the music kind of gives it to me like this. And it wasn't Americanized, but it felt like a more Americanized version of an Austin, adaptation because i feel like the british ones are like the music is so proper and it's so pinned up and with this and the emma soundtrack you get like a very like open and you feel more comfortable i i personally do at least
0: yeah yeah okay so we start off and we meet the parkers uh, mr and mrs parker they are on a very bumpy carriage ride. And Charlotte is schedules. ready to catch her to supper, I guess. She's <laughs> shooting a, a poor helpless little rabbit.
1: The cutest <laughs> rabbit on the planet.
0: Hey, but she says, she says later they have 11 siblings. No, I like know. you need a lot, a lot, lot of rabbits. She's got to get this work done. children. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they got to eat something. So, and she only has like six of them with her at that time, helping her in yeah. the party. <laughs> so, the carriage is going too fast and it crashes and Charlotte and her parcel of brothers and sisters go to the rescue. And the couple emerges shaken, but still with decorum. <laughs> and <laughs> as Mr. Parker jumps off the carriage, he twists his ankle. I like that he doesn't actually get hurt when the wheel comes off the carriage. It's when he's trying to be, yes. oh, I'm completely fine and jump off the carriage. Right. It's like, I don't <laughs> need a hand. I don't need a girl to help me. But... <laughs> <laughs> If you just stepped down, you would have been fine. Yeah. But then Charlotte has to help him all the way back to her house. And at home, this is where we meet the bajillion children. <laughs> <They're>, like <laughs> children in every corner of the room. <laughs> Everywhere you look. <laughs> you open a drawer and there's a child. Yeah. Oh,
1: <laughs> That's where I went. <laughs> yeah.
0: And Mr. Parker is explaining that he is looking for a physician for his seaside town of Sanditon. And he gets very excited, his face lights up and he gets out his plans and shows them everything. And he asks if Mr. Haywood would go. And he said that, no, he does not go more than four miles from his home. (laughs) (laughs) he makes it a point never to go more than four miles from his home. And Charlotte asks if she can go and everyone agrees. You know, I really, I like Tom Parker. I think, well, first of all, I, like, I I made fun of him, but I really like that actor. He's very personable and likable and you need that, I think for Tom Parker. I, and I respect his hustle. Every person he meets. Oh, do you want to come to Sanditon? Mm-hmm. <laughs> tell all your friends about Sanditon. Yeah. He's a regency not, not, not. Have you heard the good word about Sanditon? <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> uh, um, he is, he, you cannot say that he is not trying as hard as he can to make Fetch, I mean Santa Tennis. <laughs>
2: yes. She's
0: all in all the time. Yes. As the show goes, I respect that. As the show goes on too, you, you think, wow, it actually was quite generous of them to invite her to stay for such a long time, feed her, you know, like they have they have a mm-hmm. family full of children too. So yeah, they're very open hearted. Although he's also yeah. quite bossy to his wife in the beginning. No, 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 my dear. I'm sure this is the way I'm, you know, it's the guy who won't ask mm-hmm. for directions. So you're kind of very worried. eye
1: roll. The yeah. Whole yeah. Years,
0: or... I but they do they... get a lot of free childcare out of Charlotte. That's though. what I was going to say. <laughs> yes. I think they were like free babysitter. They've got like four <laughs> tiny children. They're like, she's she got a lot of care experience. Care. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. <She got> 11. <laughs>
0: And it's sort of the same thing as in Northanger Abbey where her parents let her go because she might meet someone and get married and get taken off their hands financially. Right. Which she gets called out on. I mean, I don't think that's her plan at all, but I'm sure like her mother is thinking about that. And is it, is it Lady, Lady Denim? Denim? Who is it that? Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. who's like specifically? And I'm sure that they're hoping you'll meet someone. And Catherine's
1: like,
2: oh, <laughs> like me. Charlotte oh. is like, oh, okay, yeah. yeah I was but, thinking. I mean,
0: it seemed like a very short acquaintance to send your child off with strangers. But yes. then, I the in the fragment, I did read that they're he they were there for two weeks, quite a long time. Before he's night. recuperating. Yeah, from yeah his, but we don't I got time like that in in yeah. uh, in the mini. <laughs> yeah, we got, we got know. a lot to get through here. <laughs> yeah, the whole the whole fragment is basically the first like what fifth ten minutes minutes. minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Like he Davies goes through that stuff quickly. (laughs) Okay. So, oh yeah. Papa has to give Charlotte some advice before she leaves. Just say, you know, people flout decorum and have a lot of secrets. So be careful of everything. (laughs) Okay. So she waves goodbye to her giant family and we get one little shot of her sister, I guess, Allison or whatever. I'm like, I feel like she was meant to have more story than she had. Well, if season two ever happens, maybe there's a very vocal area of the internet that really, 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 really hopes for season two. So you never know. Don't think it's going to (laughs) happen, especially after this year. (laughs) Okay. So they, um, they're going, they're in the carriage, they're taking in the sea air on the drive. Mr. Parker is keen as mustard. He says (laughs) Uh the benefits of the sea and knows that Charlotte will too, um, will be soon. He also mentions Lady Denham, the great rich lady of the town. And he wants to stop in, but Mrs. Barker is like, I think we should maybe go see our own kids first. And he graciously defers to her and they (laughs) go off to Trafalgar House. (laughs) It's just all business. He wants to. Historical (laughs) sidebar. I loved it in the fragment where they're like named it Trafalgar House because of the victory over Napoleon. And then they're immediately sad. They didn't name it Waterloo They didn't wait long enough for Waterloo to have happened. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, again, the trends, the trendiness of the Parkers. It's a new house that they built. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was uh, thinking that the house in this doesn't seem as big as what it seemed like from what I read about the (laughs) (laughs) scrapbook. Anyway. Okay, so Charlotte's thrilled as they drive through the town and they get to the house and there's f- four little children and a bunch of servants come out to greet them as they arrive home. And uh, they introduce Sydney, the brother, via portrait, which looks nothing like <laughs> <Yes>. him. <laughs> 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 um, oh, and Charlotte gets her first room to herself, which is very Catherine Moreland, too. <laughs>
2: yes. I
0: was like, of course, you've never had your own room. You're... I mean, there's probably, 11. like, three rooms in the house. There's probably like 12 kids <laughs> per room. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. So, then Lady Denham enters, yelling at Mr. Parker. Uh, he assures her that his brother is going to bring a lot of new patrons. And then Lady Denham gets a load of Charlotte. She's not too complimentary. <laughs> she also introduces her niece, Clara. And... She. This is where she says that she thinks Charlotte's here to find a good husband, and she's like, "Well, you know, I, I get it. <laughs> I, I got myself a good husband." <laughs> and I, th- I'm trying to can. I'm trying to remember if we can deduce from this introduction that she is an investor in Santa Sanditon. I think it's yes. not too difficult to kind of extrapolate. Yeah, He, yeah. That. Yeah. he does, but I'll tell you. say it in the carriage. She's, yeah. He's like, "Oh, she's a big investor." When they pass her yes. house, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, with this scene, there's nothing better for your exposition purposes than like a sassy old lady <laughs> yes. people, Like, oh yeah, I'm super rich. All my family's trying to get my money, including like my niece my, and my nephew. And then also this is Clara. She's like another family member, super poor. And <laughs> like, there's just a lot of exposition, but the actress who plays Lady Denim is just very good. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't feel as clunky, I think, as it could, because I'm just so enjoying her... Like I'm rich and old, and I can say whatever I want. Right. Attitude. <laughs> yeah, I love Lady Denham. I think she's unique. She's like the kind of the older Austin character that I always kind of wanted Austin to write, but she mm-hmm. never really had one like her that was like not horrible, awesome. but also Like Lady like, Catherine. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. Also independent, and you know doesn't take anything from anyone. But she also you know, you, you get to know her a lot more like Lady Catherine. She's just kind of bleh the whole time. Awful. Yeah. <laughs> I think Mrs. Yeah, Jennings- lady Denim is like the less awful version. I think Mrs. Oh, yeah. Jennings from Sense and Sensibility gets closest, but she, she is nicer and wants the best for everyone. Whereas Lady Denim sees a lot of people as her enemy. And the yeah. best thing about <laughs> the setup of this character is you're like, wow, this lady is incredibly cynical and then you know later Esther comes along and is talking to Charlotte and is like, "Oh, Lady, i don't thinks we're after her money. She's a mean miserly old woman. It's all she talks about." And then the next breath, she's like, "Yeah, we're really after her money. I'm mean, yeah. Clara if <laughs> she gets it, Clara. I'm out for that bitch Clara. She gets the money." So yeah. so, and then it like turns. It's like, "Oh, she's actually 100 percent correct." <laughs> yeah. So you got to respect well, her for that. It is the first thing she talks about because she immediately yeah, starts much. talking about right. how all these like little relations want her money yeah. and they're just <laughs> waiting for her demise, but she secretly has no intention of dying. <laughs>
2: Welcome to Sandy. I love that. Here's yeah, the well, deal. the joke's
0: on them. The joke's on them. I intend to never die. <laughs> like, this is a good short-term plan. I don't know. Long-term. If <laughs> <as> long-term <laughs> possibilities of success. No. (laughs) Um, But that's for a different episode. Oh, yes.
1: Um, what I was going to say about when we meet Lady Denim, it's very apparent why uh, Tom is like all business and wants to go see her before his own kids because to me, she seems like the old lady who's rich enough to have him killed if she does not have a return on mm-hmm, in her investment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she to me, she's almost scarier than Kath- Lady Catherine DeBerg because she <laughs> seems like she actually would do some nasty shit.
0: <laughs> it's she more has active. more power. yes. <laughs> But I
1: love her with all of my heart.
0: <laughs> awesome. Okay. So Charlotte goes to sit with Clara who puts on the sad, poor relation routine.
2: Mm-hmm. Cla-
0: <laughs> Clara, cause she's one of the ones that definitely, she starts off like, Oh, I'm sweet as honey, you know, and that doesn't last very long, but she, okay. But Clara saying she hasn't been to the sea yet. And Charlotte wants to give it a try together. And Sir Edward and Mrs... Oh, okay. Then Sir Edward and Miss Denham, Esther, their brother and sister, they enter. And he gives Charlotte a very hungry kiss on the hand. <laughs> and later on the walk, he gives a very descriptive account of sea bathing. <laughs> <So he's> pretty <laughs> inappropriate. Yes, super bat. inappropriate. <laughs>
1: Grossy gross.
0: <laughs> Miss Denham... Oh, uh... I'm going to get so confused with all these denims. So i try to keep it straight. I didn't write it down right. But Esther seems unhappy and wants her brother to focus on the task at hand. And Lady Denim warns Charlotte of her nephew and that he has to marry a fortune. And they understand each other. <laughs> I like that part. She's like, "Yeah, I think you understand me. The You're langu- not a dummy." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the language echoes so closely the um, the Sense and Sensibility Emma Thompson version, where she literally says, "I understand you perfectly," or whatever yes, yes. in that same movie. And it's like, it's like at this point, you don't know the motivation of Lady Denham whether she's afraid that Charlotte will entrap Sir Edward, or she's afraid that Sir Edward will. Will mess around with Charlotte and ruin her reputation. So, who is she being protective of? It's still kind of unclear. Yeah, I think probably both. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Although she does have specific plans for Sir Edward. Yes, she does. (laughs) (laughs) But she does know that he won't marry Charlotte. So, (laughs) oh, okay. Then up comes the other siblings Miss Diana Parker and Arthur Parker. (laughs) Love Arthur Parker. (laughs) I think uh, he's so cute he would definitely be the one character the character in the show that I would hang out with we would eat toast <laughs> have mimosas first thing in the morning uh I just think he's a deli- when he oh I love him I think he's so fun yes, yes. Well, he, they both seem very jolly right off the bat and maybe slightly out of shape because they're definitely i mean it's like jolly hypochondria. <laughs> they yeah. don't yes.
2: have like, <laughs> go together
0: necessarily but they're so fun <laughs> yeah the, the, they had been at death's door but they rallied to, to join them. <laughs> <laughs> so they go back home or they go back to arthur and um diana's house i guess And Diana starts gossiping that she saw Miss Lamb as she went inside her house, and she travels with her own maid, which speaks of riches. (laughs) (laughs) So that's our first little clue about her. Charlotte talks with Arthur. And he talks about how he drinks a lot, basically. He's like, yeah, I don't think I've I'm discovered bad. I just feel hungover in the morning and then I start drinking and I feel better. And then the next morning I feel hungover again. I don't know. What is he? I'm trying to remember the quote. Kristen, do you, Kristen is like an encyclopedia of quotes from what we watch, where he's just like, I've discovered that drinking makes me feel better. And I was like, same, Arthur. Girl, Especially same. back in like March and April of 2020. <laughs> <laughs> Arthur the com the comedy is always in the the um the language, right? I can take just a little bread and butter, only six or seven slices, right? Like yes, it's yeah. that kind <laughs> of like, oh, I understand what you're talking about now. And your perception yeah. of being deadly ill is a little skewed, right? So right. Yeah. he's the comic hydro- <laughs> hyper like yeah. I think Arthur just lives in a different wavelength. <laughs> Okay, so then Mr. Tom Denham proposes a sea bathing party tomorrow. Madness. <laughs> <laughs> Edward yes. and Esther is the next scene, and he's brushing her hair, and they're plotting. Not a lot it goes on in that scene except for okay, like, some but weird he, hair brushing. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say like they deal more explicitly into this, but that scene, there's some hint of like their relationship between the two of them is. Weird. It's uncomfortably yeah. intimate when he comes up to her and he says, What a tangled mess. <laughs> you know, it's all in the inflection. And then he starts brushing it, and you realize there Ow. is an inappropriate closeness here. Yeah. And he brushes roughly, and she's like, Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very
1: Game of Thrones.
0: I'm just saying, Andrew Davies yes. clearly watched Game of Thrones, yes. right? It's yes. <laughs> like, let's borrow a little from another popular well, show. Well, I mean, to be fair, it's very. Jane Austen's time period for so it's very, 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 English. very, very closely related <laughs> to get married to each other. <laughs> yes. They're not even actually related, are they? No, there was all of this hand wringing and throat clutch, pearl clutching about incest and their step siblings. Their right? I mean, they, yeah. they, it's grew still up together, weird. So it's I have a step sibling it's weird but <laughs> well, it's <not> even,
1: illegal. <laughs> <laughs> well even like later at the table when she drops the card at that point I was like wait what like what's going on and, oh, like, and he right, runs the card, the card
0: up her, card and, just, and then he takes it and runs it up her gloved yes. arm like, oh. that's definitely the most extraordinarily it's sexy. Weird. Yeah. it's not illegal but it's weird it's like the rules of
1: 1817 weird. it's not illegal but it's weird yeah. It's kind of can't understand. I'm pretty sure
0: it would have been weird back then. But it's a little yeah. bit more about their relationship as we go along. <laughs> yes. God. Certainly unhealthy. And I think that plants the seed of you looking at Esther as not only is she mean, but she's in a awkward, uncomfortable, and healthy relationship. It starts yeah. to make you think there's a little more depth there and a little more vulnerability. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Although I didn't really I didn't I don't remember starting to warm up to her until later episodes, but. I agree. But I think Kristen, your point is a good one. Like the, the weirdness and squickiness is that this is just like a very kind of toxic. Yeah. It puts your radar up a little bit. What is going on with these two? Who, who is yeah. this woman and why is she so cynical? Yeah. <laughs> okay. okay. So then they're off to the beach and the gentlemen have to go to the, the nude portion of the beach and the ladies <laughs> have these big rolling boxes to change in. And Charlotte and Clara go into one and they get pulled out. The men strip down, including Arthur, who I think surprised himself. <laughs> yeah. That's when I knew I really liked him. Though, yeah, when He was so like, so you know sweet. what, screw it. And yeah. he just does it. <laughs> so like, I, love, I love it when he swims by and he's like the best swimmer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I guess like the differences between the, uh, the sexes here, the men are like completely free. Oh, and yeah. can just swim mm. and are nude and the women are still they have to be tightly Covered. constrained they can't even walk into the ocean themselves they have to be like in this box that's driven in mm-hmm.
1: although <laughs> I, I was did, thinking
0: it, oh go ahead
1: <laughs> i would just say uh, how like amazing would those boxes be just to be like dumped into the ocean and not have to, <laughs> <laughs> not have to be like dealing with sand and just uh, just throw them <laughs> in the
2: ocean
0: <laughs> oh because i do i do like whoop. Hot, like, yes. it's so yeah. hot. <laughs> just, so, I like, as soon as I get out of the car at the beach, I just run. Yes.
2: So the, the sand is
0: wet because it's so hot. So, here you just like sit back and let them roll roll and, you uh, out. Yeah, uh, that's a good point. I yeah. hadn't thought about Let's that. Bring but I back. Bet they Let's bring them to take off their underclothes and corsets. So, it's probably still a relief in a way. Like, <laughs> I was wondering that. So, you think that they take their corsets off? Because that would be amazing. Yeah, because yeah. you don't want to get that salty. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> no, it'll be so heavy, too. Yeah, yeah. Plus, it's only them and they're one. I mean, if they, s- tomato, Tom Parker but- should put that in the brochure. <laughs> come to Sandyton, take off your clothes. You can actually, take your ties off. <laughs> You'll feel great. You
1: can quit squishing your ribs in right?
0: for once. Okay, so um, after they get done with the beach, I was thinking there must be, I think this through the whole series. There must be some crazy beach hair going on in this town because you know <laughs> bathing is not easy at the best of times. And there's just like, you know, Woo. they're they're fully in the water. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Tom is arguing with his wife. She thinks, um, she goes off with Charlotte and she's, you know, complaining a little bit and she's saying that he she thinks he loves the town if as much, if not more, than he loves her. And, you know, Charlotte's taking all this in and she falls in love with some blue shoes and I, <laughs> she buys them. So I, she's pretty easily convinced. I don't, I think she buys them. I don't. Yeah, she does. I think the she wears them. Yeah. Okay. I didn't, I wasn't sure if the Parker's bought it for her though, or yeah. if she bought it. Herself. I assume she had some money, like, you know. Those were pretty (laughs) cute shoes. I'd wear those. Yeah, Mm -hmm. she does wear them. They show her putting them on for the ball. And that's when I wrote down in my tangent, but like I can barely walk without pain in my personalized orthotics from the walking company. (laughs) And they're just buying shoes off the rack. Like there's just the one pair. Like they didn't have, oh, I'm a six and a half. You know what I mean? And like, I was just going (laughs) to say, how convenient (laughs) Charlotte (laughs) wears the model shoe size. Their relationship to pain must've been very different. I have to say. I mean, all of their. I was wondering though, because totally they're made out of cloth, up. if they could like take them in and out, depending. Oh, maybe. On your, yeah, they're just size. that kind of slipper. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I don't know. Maybe. I did think that though when she, I was like, "Those are like one of a kind." Is that just your guess, Cinderella? <laughs> <laughs> that's such a that's such a TV and movie thing, yeah. right? Where it's <laughs> like you just pluck the thing off the mannequin. Yeah, yeah like, oh. it fits perfectly. It'll fit. It'll fit. That's such a pretty color, though. Hmm. Okay. So after she buys them, Esther comes up and Charlotte gets passed to her for a while (laughs) and they walk along the outskirts of town. Miss Miss Denham, Esther is bitterly telling Charlotte what is really going on with Lady Denham and Clara. And then she goes on to disparage Mr. Parker and his brothers, especially warning against Sydney. And she... (laughs) says she thinks she'll regret ever stepping foot in Sanditon because she did, and then her most (laughs) gothic moment where she looks out at the sea and says, "Don't you find it unutterably dreary?" (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I loved the part at the end though, where she's like, "Yes, if Clara gets the money, I will poison her." Yeah, yeah. Charlotte's like, "Uh." "Oh," and I'm waiting for the like, "Kidding, not kidding," and it just doesn't. (laughs) She's just like, (laughs) "Take." It's a great scene for exposition and and character clarity, but her motivations for saying all of this to a perfect stranger are kind of unclear, but there are still like still some really nice moments. Like she's saying all this poisonous shit. And then she turns to um, Charlotte and just, smiles and offers her this arm so they can walk arm in arm and then she keeps saying insane shit
2: and you know, like,
0: see charlotte's face like watching to get away um yeah it's just it's, it's but in a way she's straight. the most honest character so yes. far because yes, she's you're like really okay telling the truth, truth of what's mom. going on <laughs> i i like it's the... very go ahead sorry good no the description of tom yeah. parker she she pulls no punches Tom Parker, the monomaniac, uh, who will <laughs> ultimately bankrupt himself. And as a person with bipolar disorder, you're like, yeah, Tom Parker needs to be on the drugs. You know what I mean? I thought <laughs> <Unfortunately. laughs> we were talking about Esther for a minute. Like this was part of Esther's monologue. Like <laughs> as a person with bipolar. Disorder. Yeah. No, uh, is my part of my monologue as a person for <laughs> bipolar disorder. And learning more about Tom Parker. He could benefit from <laughs> drugs. Uh, so I think it's very clear though that Esther is very lonely. She has nobody else to talk to except really her brother. So when she's with Charlotte, you know, she doesn't give a fuck. She just left free. <laughs> when you're very lonely and also have no filter when you, I mean, I can speak from experience from quarantine when you get around people, you know, yeah. that bitterness spews out of you. Yeah, yeah, and to well, be fair, I feel like there are a little bit of writing issues with this first episode, where we just get some major exposition dumps. That it's are a like, lot exposition I don't dumps. I feel like this, yeah. is, this character would be motivated to say this, but <laughs> I'll let it. Slide. Yeah. The actors do an admirable job. Yes. Oh yeah, I will say. but I we're only a couple steps away from. Well, as you know, <laughs> blah blah blah. Oh, I hate that. That's one of my biggest pet peeves <laughs> in shows when people say that. Okay, so yeah, they're going to visit. Miss Parker and Charlotte are going to visit Lady Denham. And on the way, they see Sydney's carriage and he greets Mary and gets introduced to Charlotte. She, he thinks she's a maid at first and then barely acknowledges her for the rest of the conversation. So rude. Mary, though, assures Charlotte that he has a good heart even if he comes across as rude. <laughs> and she also says that being settled down is not in his nature. And I think He's earlier looking, they say, though. He never arrives till he never does anything till like the last last
1: minute. (laughs) Relatable.
0: Theo James is a looker, though. He is very, very attractive You can see Charlotte's face like I wouldn't kick that out of bed like, Yeah, <laughs> okay, I guess he was just inc- Incredibly insulting But uh, He can also- be rude to me <laughs> yeah, I was like that is not the guy from the portrait <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait I thought you said That this was the guy in that portrait <laughs> Okay so on the walk up to the house Charlotte is or uh mary tells charlotte to look for some deer this seems like such a setup like go look for deer right over here i'm just gonna (laughs) look over here while you look over there and um what does she spy but some shenanigans behind a log (laughs) it's a hand job baby (laughs) to take a drink because this is the hand job Um, (laughs) it's very clear to a modern audience what's going on i don't know if charlotte would know. I don't know. Who knows? She's salt of the earth. There's 11 kids in that family. So, on a farm. Yes. But yeah, farm yeah, animals that's what I'm don't saying. So, I mean, again. <laughs> but. I don't think she knew as much as she did at, by the end of the dance. Because they both yeah. basically were like, let me spill the <laughs> beans to you. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me make it clear. But it's clear that something corny it is. It is. Well, they definitely shouldn't have been sitting together alone in the forest <laughs> that's it that's a good point like even just being with alone without a chaperone is shocking yeah i think pretty mm. much anytime two people were alone together in the regency area era, era they must have they were boning uh, been getting up oh. to something because people were so yeah. very concerned about that <laughs> <laughs> i mean at least that was the perception if you were alone you must have been boning exactly <laughs> we're just, like, as, a, as a point of this, interest this this um, is where the fragment ends. The, f- the f- extant fragment of the novel Charlotte lo- looks over her head. The hand job, and she Tristan? does not see a hand job. What she sees, uh, well, she sees specifically as Jane Austen describes it, something white and womanish. And as she looks so, over, she realizes that's it's her. Way Clara of and a I think, hand job. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, it's it's very oblique. Um, but what well, I think we're supposed to either glimpse her pale skin but most more likely she had white like ribbons or white you know like one of those um you know like a dress or whatever something white and catches her eye and and white and frilly i guess right right. white and pretty and so um that's what she sees and then she realizes this is clara sitting with sir edward and so austin's intent is some kind of duplicity because we're surprised we're like what's going on with these two characters and and i think you know davy's decisions later on can be traced back to Austin's decision here. So yeah, point of interest. <laughs> I was reading it, I think I assumed they were making out actually. He he was he is sort of romancing her, Clara. Sir Edward is romancing Clara in that scene. Yeah. Is that what they're calling it? <laughs> <laughs> A very <laughs> neutered word. <laughs> <sighs> All right. So we kind of cut over to Tom and Sydney for a second. Sydney comes in and greets Tom and he's in this crazy like model statue room that has got (laughs) all these statues (laughs) and white and it's just very fancy looking. I was like, you spent a lot of money on this house. Um, (laughs) Sydney says he brought two friends as requested and Tom is counting on Miss Lamb to throw some money around. And Sydney says that he knows more about her than he'd like to. So we'll have to find out about that. <laughs> okay. So then we're back at Lady Denham's estate. Charlotte is wide-eyed because we're really getting the grand scope of the house. There's this giant like Neptune statue. It's very fancy. <laughs> Lady Denham is talking about how she thinks people should drink seawater. She drinks half a tumbler full <laughs> every day. And everyone has disgusting. a little like, okay. <laughs> oh, uh,
1: just dirty seaweed water.
0: Your sodium intake. <laughs> I figure sure a half so. a tumbler full isn't gonna kill you. That might it actually be people good who drink for you, like guess, lead maybe. water baths. Yeah. Like these people don't really know about or contaminants. No. <laughs> yeah, when they were talking about how great the sea air is compared to the tinctures of the time, I was like, it probably is compared to the tinctures of the <laughs> yes! time. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> this whole like going to the seaside thing for your health is probably pretty legit, especially if you lived in London oh, at yeah. the time. Uh, like not great. Jean. around (laughs) but uh like let's not drink lead water let's not drink salt water guys (laughs) (laughs) let's not experiment on ourselves or mercury or whatever they're doing
2: oh speaking of experimenting just wait
0: until we get later episodes with the like experimenting with ourselves kind of thing (laughs) (laughs) yes i love the doctor when he comes in okay so clara comes in uh she was walking in the park wink wink And she is made to play the piano. (laughs) And Charlotte (laughs) has the best expression during this whole thing. She's just taking in all this weirdness and she has like these little twitches like, oh, okay, okay. (laughs) (laughs) The next scene is the dance. And Charlotte is all done up for the dance and she's putting on her new blue shoes. When she walks in, this is where we see that there's a little too much chemistry between brother and sister. (laughs) Goes (laughs) the whole card thing. Charlotte. She looks very nice. She has a big feather in her white dress. But she looked great. Yeah, She's I was great. like those shoes probably look great with that white dress. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mr. Denham starts the dance. Sydney and his friends come over cuz Clara, Charlotte and Esther are standing there. And they come over and they ask Clara and um, Esther to dance, and it's basically just Sydney and Charlotte left. And so <laughs> he kind of yeah. reluctantly, he's like, "I guess I have to because he's still a gentleman, I suppose." Oh, that was so awkward. It's like my worst nightmare. It's like being picked last for class in P- or in teams in PE. <laughs> mm-hmm. They're like, "You ladies," like, they're really keen. Like, you guys want to dance? And then Charlotte's like, "Yes," and then they take everyone, everyone but else. her. Yeah. <laughs> But she got stuck with the prettiest one. So, I mean, you get stuck with Theo James. (laughs) I guess it's okay. (laughs) I don't, I personally don't know. I can't remember if we talked about this on our discussion of this Kristen, but with the one-on-one dancing do you remember is that a thing that is period appropriate or not i was surprised when they started it but i'm not here to say that it it's not they they did have some one-on-one and then they had like quadrilles where there was like Mm -hmm. fours but they would pair up so i was like i'm just going to take it on faith that it's quasi-historical just like with the with the music there's actually singing, there's Gaelic singing. And at first I was like, well, that's, that wouldn't been done. But then like, when you read it, it's, it's unlike it's, um, this is the Vegas, right? This is the Sanditon is where you put your lose, let your hair down. And they would have had people and musicians coming from all different parts of what is now the United Kingdom. Right. And um, apparently singing was done and Gaelic singing would have been done. And people would have just like stood around and clapped and did like the hoedown any kind of feel. (laughs) By the end of the night, they're all drunk and they're all feeling good. And so it was apparently, you know, uh, historically not inaccurate, I guess I would say. Well, with stuff like that, I'm always willing. I mean, listen, from a shooting perspective, it's always easier to have dialogue between two characters who are actually facing each other (laughs) and close to each other. And so you don't have these kind of like acrobatics you have to have like in Pride and Prejudice for Darcy and Lizzie to have a conversation. And that has worked into part of the choreography and what they're doing. But here, like they're just supposed to be talking. So it's certainly, I'm willing to forgive stuff like that because I understand in a film medium, it makes more sense for them to be. Well- Together. One of the dances they do is mind-bendingly complicated, and um the tracking shots used to do it yeah. are, are fantastic. But you think the actors? Oh my God! I would that poor cameraman. That poor cameraman, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Christian, you were about to say something. Were you all's impressed by the?
1: Yeah, well, there is, I think, one scene where if you look closely at her, she's kind of like breathing hard, like she's out of breath. <laughs> I was like, God, it's like the most dancing. But I think also the one-on-one dancing really adds to the uneasiness between them. Because when they start, it's like silent for like 10 yep. seconds. And you're just like, someone please say something.
0: <laughs> like watching The Office. Yes. Like, so awkward. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Charlotte actually starts to make conversation while they're dancing and... Soon as she starts talking to him, Miss Lamb comes in and stops the room. And everyone yeah. is a Twitter, presumably because Miss Lamb is black. She's from the West Indies. And she gives Sydney a glare. And he follows her out, leaving Charlotte alone on the dance floor. <laughs> yeah, how rude. He's just like, bye. <laughs> in the middle but of the But she's dance. not alone for long because Edward comes straight up to dance with her. And he wants to know what she saw in the woods (laughs) and to tell her that she did not see what she thought she saw. (laughs) And Charlotte's like, I don't even want to know what I saw. And it's none of my business anyway. So (laughs) (laughs) I like her. Please don't. Can we, no, let's not. No interest in talking
1: about it. (laughs) She's like, please don't tell me. Like I
0: have (laughs) brothers. I know. Goodbye. (laughs) I mean, basically, though, he's like, don't don't tell anybody. Yeah, that's his main objective here. But Sydney starts dancing with Miss Lamb and she says to him that he should have left her and to damn his duty. Yeah. And then you're like, hmm. Mm. What does that mean? <laughs> yeah. And is that when we get our third exposition dump? Uh, we're about to. Right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, Yeah. This I would I would call this number three. <laughs> yeah. Although this one is <laughs> the done, most really, obvious. I think this one has done the best. Because it's really, I was going to and- say this is the, well, that's true. But also when one character's like, tell me about this other <laughs> character, <laughs> well, it's very um, in character for both of them to me. <laughs> that is an excellent point. Yeah. Unlike Esther, I'm like, this just doesn't necessarily feel in character for you to be dumping all this, but maybe it is. I don't know. So lady denim, finds out about Miss Lamb because the governess or whoever is telling. <laughs> and she says that uh, she would have been a lot richer if her father hadn't set his slaves free before he died, which de- diminished her fortune, but it's still very large. The governess also spills the beans that she had to leave London because of an unsuitable romance and her, it's not just large. She has a hundred thousand pounds which was insane. Emma Woodhouse was like what the 30,0, Yeah, yeah. you don't you don't need to know about like agency <laughs> to convert like modern conversion. All you need to know is that Darcy with his ten thousand pounds a year was considered exorbitantly wealthy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when this lady is like a hundred my jaw actually <laughs> dropped. Yeah. I didn't know I thought they were gonna go with the old the old standby ten thousand. Yeah. And then she's like a hundred thousand pounds. Yeah. Well, and it's different for women because it's not like invested. So she's not making a certain income off of it a year, but like Emma was only, I think 30,000. She was like like the richest person in Jane Austen. (laughs) It has to be like like the Austen nerd, right? But a hundred thousand pounds. So Darcy had 10,000 a year, which is like. The income from his land, right? Right. Hundred thousand pounds refers to the equity, which then Miss Lamb would be able to be able to get four percent. It's called four percent off of. So there's, it's almost like a fixed income from your capital. And so she would have had a yearly income from that money, but it's not expressed as a yearly income or as a man's income because it comes from rents can be variable, right? So that's expressed in a yearly income yeah right but still yes gigantic. i believe economists <laughs> refer to that uh as rich as fuck yeah, yes. yeah. i mean you're right mr collins says like i i'm well aware that one thousand pounds and four percent is all you'll be, ever be entitled to i mean like elizabeth bennett's fortune was one thousand right? pounds yeah so, but yeah. the point is that it is supposed to be like and these are like yes, a, a lot numbers of numbers. when we what what were we doing i think was it northanger abbey because we got into a little bit of like The slavery of the time and like the new money who was getting their money from like the west indies and they had that kind of money you know like the huge sums i do love though right because and then the camera pans over to arthur and his sister and as soon as arthur hears that he's like downs his drink and runs (laughs) over to (laughs) miss lamb yes and is like let's dance and she Okay, so he's motivated by the fact like, hey, this girl's super rich. But when she walked in, people are taken aback that she is a Black woman. There is what we would consider now offensive words spoken. And he runs up to her so exuberantly. And I think she's surprised that (laughs) someone she doesn't know is like, wants to dance with her. And then every time they show them dancing, he's so adorable yes. <laughs> dancing with her. Honestly, it me so happy. yeah, he's so adorable. And like, it seems to me so out of character for him to be like, oh, money, I better go dance with her because he doesn't ever seem interested in women or money or anything like that throughout the rest of the series from what I remember. So it, it wasn't until the very last time I watched it that I noticed that he overheard it first. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's putting a whole new spin on Arthur that I'm not sure. Ever <laughs> well, it's just before. kind of like, might as well go for it. Why not? Like, you <laughs> right. know, you never know. Um, but I'm sure there are a lot of people there who wouldn't dance with her for any amount of money. And he's just like, let's do it. Yes. And she's like, okay. <laughs> um, so I don't know if you guys wanted to get into this quickly. You know, obviously this is the first Austin adaptation to feature a character of color, which is you know, important and we mm-hmm. should mention. Um, I do want to also mention though that this actress has been very vocal on Twitter and other things that, you know, don't give this production too much credit because there were no people of color involved behind the scenes. So right. like, yes, let's celebrate having a Black woman on screen and in Austin, but like, this is not the huge leap forward I think some people would hope. That yeah. right we would have. And I, I, think, I definitely yeah. think we'll get into that. Yeah. Yeah, maybe so, maybe so Maya we'll and
1: before. I recently had a discussion about this and we kind of just came to the conclusion that it's like perfectly acceptable to like hold like the modern adaptations, even in the eighties and early on that for not including anybody, because you know, their race is not necessarily essential to the story since it's not real.
0: Right. And yeah.
1: Yeah. And that, but like, you know, with the books though, it's like, it's kind of hard because she never really left her home. So she didn't really meet people. So the fact that she included as far as I know I don't know <laughs> that's not right.
0: Well, I think the question is whether there were the people of color like were right. I think were in the world and yeah. would have been in the world but it's just She's like we erase them from Oh, for sure. the world. Well, I will say I will say a couple of things just first for those who don't know in the audience and Christian you you may know um this is not I don't mean to correct you but um Miss Lamb in the fragment is black. Well, she is r- mixed race.
2: Right. Yeah. Right.
0: So it's, it's going along with what had actually been written in Austin. So mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't know if people would pick up from that, that like, it was a new thing that Davies had added or something. No, no, that, no.
1: Yeah. yeah. I think I was just like more referencing, like the fact that her other works don't include any people of color Right. early on, it kind of just speaks to more of like the limitations of being living in the country. And yeah, they barely like show sh-
0: anyone outside the family circle that is, right, the yeah, that that book she... is about I, I think that's true well, was... about austin's life but i think we also have to yeah. remember that actually she did go to a lot of bathing places so market right. lime regis they were they were often visiting spa towns doing the kinds of like little day trips that they do in northinger abbey or mm-hmm. going for like a few days or over the summer or, you know like and and so it's she had some exposure to other places and certainly living in Bath for all those years. Right. Would have been a, in the mix, right? Although I believe Miss Slam is actually based on a real person who Jane Austen met because she did meet a woman. She just had like a dinner with her and she was very quiet. And so Jane Austen was like, she didn't make any conversation. <laughs> you know, that was like her basically <laughs> her observation of her. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I definitely think we're going to get into that more in depth in future episodes. Well, I would also say not for nothing that uh, this might, Jane Austen might not explicitly say that there are other characters of color in her books, but she doesn't describe people a lot anyway. Exactly. And so a lot of it is us where we consider white to be the default. So I don't know, like, I can't speak for what her intentions were with her writing or anything like that. And again, like Sanditon then kind of suffers in comparison to Bridgerton, which obviously said an alternative universe, super diverse cast has a black woman running the production. Right. And so it's just kind of like another interesting look at these two different yeah. shows, which I, it's hard to divorce them from each other now because I've watched them so, so close, close to, to, each, to other. each other. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well,
1: I think that is like really emblematic of like Bridgerton is such like a, a thing that it, like, it makes sense to like, tell like a lot of people of color, like it doesn't necessarily matter because their race never really matters. Like you can t- still tell the story and still have like the same thing. Cause it's not necessarily, it's based in reality But it's a reality that is like able to be altered a little bit.
0: Yeah, it's all fiction. Like exactly. so, I don't. Know, I'm on the same page as you. Like, I don't think it matters. But, but a lot of that is also like just before when adaptations would be made, they would just always use white people anyway because everyone assumed everyone in England at that time was right. white. Right. Which well, now like, you definitely know is everyone untrue. In power, probably was. So that's why exactly. <laughs> right, exactly. <Yeah>. So <laughs> people yeah. making the, the people making these that ad- like. I'm pretty sure. I mean, I can't speak, but like 1987, Northanger Abbey, probably not like a lot of people of color in that involved in that production. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you like make the story. Like to reflect the people who are telling it, but I didn't want to let the the moment pass without saying this is the first actual adaptation with a character, a main character of color, yeah, which is good. But hopefully, moving forward, we'll get more behind the scenes well, yeah. and, involvement too. You know, too, it's it all goes back to Austin's intent with Sanditon. It's not. I mean, a lot of people when they talk about Sanditon, they show even in the the behind the scenes with Andrew Davies, they're saying it's a classic Austin, will they, won't they? And it's like, no. when you go back and read the fragment, the fragment is clearly setting up an economic argument that Austin is making. It is about the economics of Sanditon just as much or probably more than it is about Sydney and Charlotte Haywood. The original title of the fragment was the three brothers, right? And I think Mm -hmm. that goes back to, well, we haven't talked about it, but the next theme coming up charlotte giving her opinion of the three brothers and the character the personalities of these brothers are going to have meaning in the economics of sanditon i think that's where she was going with this and so the the reason i bring that up is because this woman is from the west indies she has a place mm-hmm. in the economy of england so what what were what was Austin going to say about this woman was she going to be the mark were they going to try to drain her or use her as an unwitting investor or what was going to happen with her money? And that's why it's so important that she is this character with this background. She's also ill in the um, fragment. Yes, tender and chilly, right? I hate <laughs> this horrible chilly It's island. also hard to say <laughs> if this, if whatever Jane Austen set up would have been what she ultimately ended up with, because, you know, this was still she in very the very yeah. beginning yeah. yeah,
1: Right, yeah. And I would say as a, a Latinx person, this, even like an introduction of a just like any character that deviates from the norm, you know, cis, heterosexual, white, it kind of makes, for me at least, the story more dynamic and more interesting. So I do wonder, you know, not necessarily considering any of the behind the scenes stuff, but I do wonder how like audiences of color reacted to, like did they find they have more investment in the series? So I'm really curious to see what their reaction was.
0: Yeah, I can't speak to that um, as a white girl, blah, boring, <laughs> but uh, I do. I don't know. I feel like it's like celebrate progress, but don't forget it, that there's still yeah, let's work to continue die. to examine. And Christian, have you ever seen the web series Black Girl in a Big Dress? no. Oh my oh, gosh, it's no. this web so good. It's so good. It's so funny. Run, run to your nearest computer and watch it. It's called, I'm pretty black sure that's Girl. on our list of something to cover someday. Yeah, yeah. Black Girl so good. in a Big Dress. It's a comedian um, who's made this web series about being a Black cosplayer in, you know, like these big Victorian era dresses. And you can imagine the kind of things. Her Instagram is fabulous. In. Too, yeah. To yes. see the pictures right. of her costumes is fabulous. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to look that up. Yeah, it's just all her, right. It's so funny. <laughs> Well, let's finish up this recap because we're almost done. Clara has to come up to Charlotte now and, you know, explain herself. She says that Edward was forcing himself on her and that he intends to ruin her and that Charlotte should be careful. And she also says that she has met with more than one of his kind, which actually raised my eyebrows a little. I was like, "Are you just going to admit to multiple <laughs> men encounters like this?" Well, <laughs> that that just made me sad because yeah, I think basically sad. what she's saying is like she's been, you know, assaulted. So assaulted. She has no power in this times. world, and she has yeah. she's retaking power. I was forced to do something I didn't want to do in order to avoid something. Even worse. yes, it would be sad. But we if also I don't know if we for can... one second <laughs> <laughs> her culpability <laughs> in any of this. That's the thing. That's the thing. Like now you don't know what to believe because you know in our like Me Too era, you always want to believe. Women, when they say this, but like, can we trust anyone in Sanditon? I don't know. We like, I don't can't trust Clara, <laughs> like, Char- yeah, like Charlotte. We don't know, well, just in, in episode one, we don't know as much about her. That's true, that's true, later. but still, she's so you're kind just of like, I don't know, untrustworthy from <laughs> the beginning <laughs> for all of her sweetness okay. routine. Maya is the cynical one. That, well, <laughs> I don't trust anyone that nice. <laughs> she was a fake nice. <laughs> 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 okay, and then they have one of my favorite dances where they all clap along. It's very fun and feels very like, you know, more like the workers of the town kind of a dance than a, like, the mm-hmm. rich upper class, which I feel like well, they do, really goes along. They do with say the earlier, um, Mary Parker says to Charlotte, you know, I hope you wouldn't be, you won't hesitate to stand up with, like, a carpenter. Oh, yeah. Or some, or tradesmen, because it's very clear yeah. that this is, like, everyone's invited from Sanditon. Yeah. Uh, And she goes, I would dance with anyone who would dance with me. I'm like, that's the spirit. (laughs) But as the dancing starts, Charlotte goes up to the balcony and finds Sydney. And he asks her for her thoughts. And she says that she's finding it very hard to figure all of the people out. She doesn't really trust her judgment. But he wants to know what she thinks of everyone or what she thinks of him. And she says that she thinks he's the sensible brother. And she goes on to tell him what she thinks of his other brothers, that Arthur is a contradiction, both jovial and lethargic. And Tom is overenthusiastic and may neglect his own and his family's happiness at the expense of the town. Or I, I don't think I said that right, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, he would sacrifice his family's happiness for the town. Exactly. To He's exactly. like all in on the business venture. Yeah. And Sydney is not amused, and I will say this is another point where I was like, "This feels really weird for Charlotte to just spill Um, like what's in her head with Sydney of all people." It's a real Catherine Morland moment where you're gonna say this out loud, really? Yes. This is like, okay, Charlotte's gonna write into Reddit and be like, Am I the asshole? <laughs> <laughs> Reddit. She did not I, say anything mean, though. She's like, no. Me, white female, 16, <laughs> him, white male. How old Sydney? He's, He's like 20. <laughs> really? That old? Okay, anyway, he asked my opinion. <laughs> I told him. And then he took me to task. I'd be like, no, you are not. He asked your opinion. If he can't deal with honesty, that's on him. A lot of times uh, people might ask my opinion about their family members that I'm going to pull my punches because it's a little close to home. Like your brother is neglecting his family. (laughs) You know, it's a little bit of a, just slightly, just slightly over. It just felt slightly over the line to me. I agree he did ask. Yeah, he especially did considering ask, she but he did act barely ask. spoken five words to anyone this whole yeah, episode. Yeah. <laughs> this was her big monologue where she just shits on his family. Yeah. Uh, was she wrong? <laughs> well,
2: actually, I mean, I don't I don't she, she wasn't wrong. wrong. <laughs> she
0: was actually fairly nice about it. She didn't say anything. That's what I'm saying. Was he, uh, to my she was perspective. exactly right on all accounts. <laughs> I think she was exactly right. I think he totally blew up out of proportion yeah, because it didn't too close to home, asshole. he knew it was yeah, true. Right. He clearly <laughs> yeah. has some some bug up his ass because his reaction was way over the top. I mean, yeah, I could see it. being a little offended, but I can't see dressing her down in that manner. You've been nowhere. You know nothing. Yeah, and one, like right. having yeah. a massive tantrum. And Kevin, my husband, was watching this with me. He's like, they kind of turned his assholeness up to 11 here. Like it's even totally. worse. Than a Mr. Darcy kind of a thing, and it's like yeah, mm-hmm. Reddit agrees. Yes. 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 Sydney's the asshole. Yes. This is why yes. I never root for them to get together. I never like <laughs>
2: this is the whole series. Oh, I so mean, like I it's a didn't- happy ending yes.
0: that she does not. <laughs> okay, <laughs> no, <laughs> Maya, I I'm so that. glad. I know that. I'm so glad you said that, Maya, because I was disappointed my big disappointment with episode one is that my young stringer is not introduced as a character and that's who i was like shipping with charlotte now that's a character i can get behind and he's not here i personally I love really a story where the girl is like you know what I think I'm just going to go home and be single. <laughs> 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 okay. But young stringer is very cute. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but we will meet him in a future episode. I, was, I don't know how Maggie, Have you seen this house, it's like one room. Okay, but Kristen, the man's an architect. I mean, I'm pretty sure it's safe he's to got say some that like priority complexes. Yeah, oh my I don't God. Think I will not tolerate. <laughs> I will not tolerate this disparagement of the sure. man that Charlotte is clearly kid, supposed I to I be kid. with. <laughs> i feel very strong strongly about this one true pairing <laughs> you're a shipper you're a charlotte stringer shipper. which is so funny because i'm like in the saving sanditon facebook group yeah, and they, yeah. Are, they are all in on sydney and charlotte and i'm just like Ugh. i don't say anything because i don't want to be rude no, that's but part of I'm why like, i was like i have to get other people on for these podcasts because i feel like my opinion on sanditon is different than the majority of people who watch it or talk about it. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So anyway, Sydney's really rude. He says that she knows nothing, that she only knows her piano embroidery, and she's not out there trying to make her mark on the world. She can't. Yeah. Well, exactly. She's no, like, what do you me want me to do, bro? I can't have a job. I can't hold property. Like, I literally and also it shows how like he does not know her at all, right? Because well, have mm. we ever seen Charlotte do embroidery? No, we don't, don't see Charlotte know. do embroidery. She hunts. No, like, you didn't see her when she was hunting rabbits in the first scene.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I think she's his... probably a better
0: shot than he is. <laughs> yeah.
1: I think his whole blow-up is more of like a self-reflection on him feeling oh, like, like he front. doesn't know his own family because it sounds like he's never around and he's like the audacity of this girl this teenage girl to know anything about my family when she spent so much time with them and they're not very like you know hidden with their true feelings
0: tom wants his help and he is only putting forth the barest of effort to help him
1: and i think
0: it just really hit too close to home it's like if my brother's marriage breaks up because he has too much stress on him then it's I'm going to feel guilty about that. And um, yeah, so she tries to apologize and he insults her again and leaves abruptly. And Charlotte cries. That's like the the story story of all my relationships. (laughs) All my relationships insults me and leaves abruptly. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) And that's it for the recap. I think it's a solid first episode. Like I'm oh, yeah. gonna keep watching again now. Like I'm back into it. I, I want to finish the series yeah. out. Um, even though I've even already seen it. Like I'm ready to hit play on episode two.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, let's a little bit of a deep dive really quick because um, and we've already talked probably about a lot of this because I did it on the original um, 11 chapters. It was written originally in 1817 and it was originally titled The Brothers, as you said, which I think is really interesting because Jane Austen never writes about men's familial relationships And so the fact that she started off, like, this is a book about brothers, you know, and, you know, I feel like she's really trying to stretch her wings in this one. And also it's uh, got adult sibling relationships, which we don't see a lot in Jane Austen. I mean, we get like, you know, 18, 20 year old girl sibling relationships, but we don't get a lot of like grown up with kids, you know, but still there's still like five or six Parkers (laughs) who are all (laughs) siblings, (laughs) Okay, so she later changed the name to Sanditon and she she stopped working on it because of her illness. She, I think, died like a few months after she had written it. And it was first published in 1925 by R.W. Chapman under the name Fragment of a Novel. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The chapters set up the characters in the town. Basically, they cover the first episode. And I just wrote down some of the ways it differed. So yeah, so they stay with the Haywoods for a fortnight when he's injured, and he talks a lot more about modernizing, you know, and his improvements while he's there. Sir Edward Denham is described as a silly and very florid man, though handsome. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was a funny description of him. I think yeah, I think they make him more of a like mysterious rake type. Yeah. then i would necessarily go with that description which yeah. is fine if it you're going to make his like sister, a go of off like, he, he can be like <laughs> a i can i will say that i think that the most significant change from the fragment to the show is the character sir edward because He in the fragment is a really silly buffoon, Mr. Collins level buffoon, (laughs) who is obsessed with poetry and with novels and wants to be a Lovelace. He sees himself as the Mm. bad guy, as the rake, as uh, Valancourt or as Lovelace. Uh, uh, Lovelace, not Valancourt. Sorry, but like, well, Lovelace, and we have to say, Kristen, who is Lovelace? Um, he's from what? Is he from the Count of Monte Cristo? And he's the bad guy. Oh, who, that's not that's what what I, I, I thought, thought he was the bad guy in Clarissa. <laughs> is he from Clarissa? Who's played by Sean Bean? Sean Bean! <laughs> yes. Okay. Sorry. I love so your listeners don't know this, but I love Sean Bean. I got obsessed with Sean Bean when I saw Clarissa on Masterpiece, where he plays a very rakish character. Yeah. But yeah, so Sir Edward, not like a not like a fop in this, more like a dangerous Yes. Yeah. He's I'm intelligent enough guy. in the show to sort of. Vi for for Lady Denham's money in the fragment, he is a completely different character, and he's constantly spouting these ridiculous opinions about poetry and, and literature. And that's the North Singer <laughs> Abbey kind of right <laughs> yeah. Also, there are two sisters and two Parker sisters, along with Arthur. So I don't know what the other one's name was, but I guess they just combine them. They're yeah. all self-described invalids. And, you know, being that Jane Austen was definitely ill at this time, I feel like she's also like try to talk about, you know, this whole culture of, (laughs) you know, bathing and healthiness and who is really sick and who's not. Someone who's genuinely ill. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And dies soon, pointing out like the ridiculousness of people who claim illness. And we've seen that before, like in Persuasion with the sister. Right, Kristen? I don't remember the character's name, but she's always Mary like Musgrove. Kind of, yes. Yeah, yes. she's always on death's door and it's for it's <laughs> attention seeking. Yes. yes. Yeah, and Charlotte, oh Charlotte actually very quickly surmises that their complaints are invented. So I think that gives a little about her like observational skills. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And also a little bit of a difference. Diana Parker in the book or in the chapters is there to secure lodgings for a wealthy family from the West Indies, even though she hasn't been specifically asked for her aid. And she also brings word of a large party of, from a girls' school, which is intending to summer at Sanditon. And this makes everyone super excited in the town. And when it, they all arrive, it becomes clear that the family and the girls' school are the same people. So right. it's actually her who brings all of them to town in the book. But. When you read the fragment, you just get a lot more of kind of Jane Austen's patented, like ridiculous characters. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Which I don't, I, we don't see that as much. In, like, there's a touch of ridiculous in the way the characters are in the TV show. They, yeah, Davies um, leaves the hectic comedy behind because he wants to write about yeah. sex and intrigue. Yeah, well, I'm okay with that. Yeah, it's yeah. fine. <laughs> Which makes me also think that there would be some refining that Jane Austen would have done before it was over. Because I don't feel like any of other books, even though they have those characters, they're not like so over the top that like that's how you would describe the book. <laughs> you know, like. Yeah, you have like one Miss Bates. Exactly. Like an <laughs> F- and you have Mr. Collins in Pride and Prejudice. You maybe don't have the same number exactly uh but who knows i don't know know. if i agree with that too because this is a very when you read this fragment it feels so fresh and new but it feels like jane austen is intending to go in a different direction where she just finished persuasion which is about this deep you know introspective thing about love and passion and our our affections and then she starts on sanditon and she's clearly going back to the early writings her early juvenilia is this hectic Hectic satire. It, it, the characters are totally overblown and ridiculous. It seems like return to that in a way that she's meaning she's got some anger to to work out in a way against busybodies, against hypochondriacs. And when you when you go back and look at her relationship with her own mother, who was a horrible hypochondriac when jane Austen herself was incredibly sick and dying you feel a, a seed of bitterness in all of this towards the hypochondria i think yeah so i don't yeah. know so if maybe she was... it would have been purely comedic it would have just yeah. been yeah like, yeah maybe she was like done with the affairs of the heart <sighs> she had some other things to say yeah jane's like you know what i'm tired yeah yeah <laughs> 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 Okay, but there were also a couple of other characters who are not in this, including Miss, Mrs. Mm-hmm. And Miss, and Young Wh- Whitney. Their family who run the library slash general store, and I feel like the library probably has a was going to play a bigger part, like the lending library and all this. And there's also the Hill, the Hilliers. I don't know if this is the same people, but they live in the Parkers family home because the Parkers built a new home that they live in, the Trafalgar on the beach. And so there's a also a couple that live in their old home. Oh, okay. And the last thing is that the town of Sanditon is most likely based on the town of Worthing, where Jane Austen stayed in 1805 when the resort was first being developed. The character of Mr. Parker was probably inspired by Edward Ogle, Worthing's early entrepreneur who Jane and Jane and her sister Cassandra knew, and we will definitely be getting into that a little more in a future episode. <laughs> Do we have any favorite parts or final thoughts from the first episode of Sanditon? I like the hand job that best. <laughs> <laughs> Take, a Take a shot. Take a shot. Someone, ha- someone had to say it. My favorite part. Um. Uh, I just liked a lot of the conversations where Charlotte had with people, like the one she has with Esther, or even the one at the uh, Theo, Bro. Sydney, at the <laughs> end, because I found myself like responding to it, being like, "Why is he getting so mad at her? Like this is ridiculous." <laughs> right. He asked for her opinion, or with Esther, you're like, "Okay, she's intense." Yeah, <laughs> you know, like I, I was drawn into these characters already. Yeah. <laughs> I will say one of my favorite parts is just getting to see the bathing and like just the technically how they would do something like that and how even though it seems very awkward and weird, it still seems like fun. And they're like, we spend every day here. Like you guys must have (laughs) the craziest hair at the end of the summer. (laughs) (laughs) These
1: beach curls.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, What about uh, you, Kristen? I, my, my favorite part, I think is just the overall score and the feel and the look of it. When this show came out, I think everybody was expecting me to hate it because it was clearly not exactly what Austin intended. But (laughs) when I had it on, you know, on my PBS station or whatever, I think I played it six or seven times the first week it was on there. I was had it on every night because whenever that happened, it was a, stressful time and it just is really soothing but also really draws you in and gives you this sense of excitement and so yeah just the the score is so different it really draws you in and it really makes you pay attention and especially like just the gaelic song at the end yeah that's my favorite part yeah
1: yeah
2: what
0: about you christian
1: i would say i think my favorite part is like the entire ball because it feels it almost feels like it's in that middle ground between that like giant hall party we get at the beginning of Pride of Prejudice and more of a pinned up kind of royal adjacent ball. And so yeah. we kind of get the, the whole dancing sequence that we always get in Jostin, which are always part of probably one of my favorites because we get to see really like one-on-one interactions with the characters and they kind of display their entire intentions, even if they don't yeah. really say much. You got to love a
0: good chit chat scene during a dance. Yes. (laughs) It's also very kinetic. And like we were saying, the camera work during that. Yeah, it was cool. um, When they're doing like a real kind of, it's just like very exciting. Yeah. And you get all the characters in one place together. (laughs) And then someone dies. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Oh, yeah. When they're doing the whole, uh, when Sydney is telling her off on the balcony, I also was thinking the whole time. Can't everyone in the ball hear you and see you screaming at this girl like, at you're hair. right there. Also she should have everyone. just pushed him off. <laughs> 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 oh no, he fell. So tragic. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, but I mean I guess I don't really have any final thoughts yet because we're just starting. So I'm just mm-hmm. excited to get get going on this. And mm-hmm. I can't wait for christian to see the rest
1: of it. yes i'm very yeah, excited it's really, I loved it. how are you
0: guys watching by the way because um my friend gave me her should i say this on the podcast my friend gave me her like <laughs> pbs passport oh, yeah. uh, so i can watch it on the website but how are you guys watching it because it's not unless you have a special amazon it's not really streaming paid 20 fucking dollars to get the entire series on prime so i'm not proud of it <laughs> yeah we can watch it a million times yeah, i probably <laughs> Well, I definitely bought the DVD as soon as it came out because I have a Jane Austen DVD collection. So anytime a new one comes out, I have to get one. But I have PBS Passport because I love to support PBS. Awesome.
1: (laughs) I'm eventually just gonna spend the twenty dollars episode by
0: episode. Yeah, yeah,
1: which is like I was supposed to because I was supposed to borrow Maya's DVD and I completely forgot last time I. Uh, had talked to her and so I was like I'll oh, just buy the first episode for $3 and eventually what's going to happen is I'm going to keep forgetting to buy it and then spend <laughs> $25 on the whole season because
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's He'll my disease will end up disease. spending more <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay, and then um, the last thing that we like to do is recommendations. If there's anything else that you've been enjoying recently that you'd like to recommend for other people to enjoy. It doesn't have to be any specific anything. (laughs) I've recommended incense before, so.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm just, um, one thing, I guess maybe two things I've been enjoying lately. One of them has been surprisingly an Apple Plus series called Servant. It's a M. Night Shyamalan series, which going in, what? I was like, <laughs> I was like, going in, it's going to be very 50-50 if it's good. That's just my <laughs> kind of understanding of his work. But it was surprisingly really enjoyable and very spooky, but not like scary. So if you don't like horror, it's very much like you just don't know what's going on the whole time until kind of the very end of the season. But it's very good. Cool. <laughs> I really enjoyed it.
0: I'll have to check that one out.
1: Do you have another one? I did, then I forgot it. So, okay, (laughs) (laughs) you go. It's
0: okay, we're running along anyway. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) What were you gonna say, Chris or Maggie? Uh, well, I feel like I have to say Bridgerton because we mentioned we name-checked it a lot of times. It's another, (laughs) it is a Regency romance series on Netflix. Um, that's very good. It's not Austin, it's like I guess Austin adjacent. Yeah. Historical fantasy based on a a series of romances by Julia Quinn. Yeah. And like it is Kristen and I talk a lot about whether like a certain Jane Austen story is a romance or not. These are, you know, unabashedly (laughs) romances, um, which is great. Uh, And then the other thing I guess I would say I watched is uh, my husband and I just finished another Netflix series called Barbarians, uh, which takes place in nine AD and is about, or we say CE, I'm sorry, CE. (laughs) And it is about a very famous uh, battle that took place between the Germanic tribes and the Roman army. Um, And I, it's a German production. So the the German characters speak German and what I really liked about it is that the Romans actually speak Latin which you don't see a lot. Usually it's like we give British people to play Romans and like, that's our (laughs) like, Oh, they're Romans. Right. Um, (laughs) And I studied Latin in high school. And so that just made, that just tickled me. Like how often do you see a show with actual Latin? That's cool. But it's really great. It's only six episodes. It's self-contained. It's an interesting part of history. I didn't know a lot about and I thought it was fun. You know, who doesn't like barbarians? Like they're like literal barbarians, right? Uh, (laughs) Like they are running around in like, yeah. Wolf skins and, you know, Clubs. it's great. I like it. <laughs> that sounds it was awesome. fun. <laughs> what about you, Kristen? So if you are a fan of cozy mysteries, meaning like mysteries that aren't about like running on <laughs> rooftops by <laughs> just detectives and hardened criminals, right? <laughs> there is a series of books by the author Louise Penny. She writes books known as the Inspector Gamache Books so I, I'm a huge fan of like Midsummer Murders and like the small village killing, you know, like the v- small village in England, rustic mm-hmm. setting, and there's been a murder. This is the same thing, but it's in rural Quebec. And oh. so, uh-huh. yes, and so it's Canadian and there's always maple syrup everywhere. And it's, <laughs> I mean, it's drenched in maple syrup. No, and <laughs> it's incredible. The writing is incredible. I was moved to tears several times in just reading the very first book of the series. It's a long series the first book is called still life still life it's about painting in this you know tiny quebecois village and the, the best thing about it is it's midsummer murders plus half of them are francophones and half of them are the english as they say in quebec <laughs> meaning in english speakers so there's lots of like snippy little comments there as well which are really enjoyable for someone who doesn't know anything about that culture cultural tradition of quebec that's funny i feel like midsummer murders is like the british noir where because like american noir it's like Mm -hmm. the city but everyone's a liar (laughs) and everyone's actually corrupt but in midsummer in in the english version it's always the small town it's a dead body at the fate yeah you know what don't live in midsummer (laughs) county though because like the highest murder capita
2: (laughs) (laughs) anywhere
0: (laughs) in the world good lord (laughs) anywhere in the world Okay, well, for my recommendation this week, I was going to save this one until we got to the Pride and Prejudice BBC 96 version because Lucy Davis is in it and she was in the original, she was in that 96 one and I love her in that version. But since this is the last season, I'll go ahead and say The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina is in its final season and I just adore that show. It's got like You know, it feels like this podcast to me because it's got like the really sweet kind of teen stuff, but it's also got the dark evil
2: (laughs) and witches (laughs) and,
0: you know, it gets pretty dark, but I love it. And Lucy Davis is amazing in it. And I'm so sad that this is the last season because... Well, I haven't watched any of the last season yet. So you reckon it's still really good? I love the other parts. Oh my gosh. Okay. We just, we love, Kristen and I love Lucy Davis. Oh, um, we think that she's a comedic tour de force in Pride and Prejudice, like sneakily. because oh, she's, she's not the not on a lot. But watch <laughs> her when she is. And she's, and also like in Wonder Woman, she's amazing. Yes. Just, Wasn't she in the office, the British Yeah, show? She office. was in the British office. office. And in all of those like, um, Sean of the dead. Sean of the dead. Yeah. 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 You just want her to be your friend. Like I want to be friends with yes. Lucy Davis. we had a great time. <laughs> yeah. So that's my recommendation for this week.
1: Um, I was gonna say I remembered my other recommendations It'll be really quick if any if anyone's a euphoria fan on HBO they released because they couldn't film season two yet because of COVID they released like a mini episode
2: ah. and it's
1: all about their character Rue who you know throughout the show you find out is like a, a opioid addict and is she's like a teenager trying to get through it and but it's this beautiful episode of just like between two of these characters and this like gorgeous California diner that has like like espresso colored like leather seating and it's just so beautiful (laughs) and like just the interaction between these two actors it's like high caliber acting it's so beautiful and
0: (laughs) yes actually before we do our contact I should say Thank you guys so much for being our <laughs> guest. Be um, yeah. Yes. And did you guys have anything? I mean, obviously listen to their podcast. It's amazing. Did you, and follow them on Twitter, but did you guys have any or I guess follow them on Facebook because they have a, a pretty cool Facebook group. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thanks. Kristen kind of handles the Twitter. I'm actually not on Twitter. It's a step too far. Same, same. Personally. I'm like almost only on Twitter at this point. <laughs> Kristen handles our Twitter and also, of course, posts like She had an amazing advent calendar of memes (laughs) on our Facebook page. No, (laughs) they were fantastic. (laughs) But yeah, so you can find us on Facebook at First Impressions Podcast. And then Kristen, you want to talk about our Twitter? Yes, it's at First Impress Pod. And um, we have a (laughs) a Gmail account as well. If anyone wants to email us, it's First Impressions Podcast at gmail.com. And if you want to check out our actual episodes, we are also uh, Podbean. Is hosting us, but we are available on many different ca- podcatchers. I guess people saying, including Stitcher. <laughs> I've and- never heard that before. Did you? That's no, not a thing, is it? Yeah, podcatcher. Yeah, podcatchers. Oh. I mean. <laughs> you don't know. You're not cool. Like they me. gotta catch my. I'm not cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just say wherever you listen to your web. Where, wherever fine podcasts are found. <laughs> well, yes. we having fine podcasts. <laughs> 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 where, wherever lower end podcasts are found. <laughs> <laughs> Also, thank you guys for having us. We were so happy to chat with you. Yes, Yes. so much. Not that I don't love talking to Kristen, (laughs) but it's nice to talk to other people too. We had such a good time. Yes, and if you happen to be another Jane Austen podcast out there, and please get in contact with us because we'd love to have you on as a guest as well as we're. Cause you know, I feel like we need a more of a Jane Elson podcasting community <laughs> so I can find people. <laughs> yeah. But our contact information. Is... <laughs> uh, yes.
1: <laughs> you can email us at manners at gmail.com on Twitter. We're at manners madness on Instagram. We're at manners of pod. And then um, you can leave a little one minute voicemail on our website at manners dot
0: com. Yes. And we hope that you will. And please rate and review. It's one of our goals for the new year is to get some more ratings and reviews. And yeah, next week we'll be back with Sanditon part two. I think they call them parts and not episodes for some reason. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, we hope you guys will join us and thank you again. We're so happy to have you guys on the podcast. (laughs) Anytime. All right. All right. Good night, everyone. See you next <laughs> Bye.
2: week. Bye. Bye.
0: Bye.